Isn't it a blessing to have worship ministers who pastor us in these moments with such sensitivity to the Holy Spirit? Isn't that a blessing? We don't do this enough. Can we just thank Jack and Caroline for the way that they lead us so beautifully? It's funny how often, you know, uh, most of the ministry team here, we you know, work during the day, so we don't often have the time to say, here's what the sermon's on, here's what the songs need to be, and to do that type of thing. And so often, because they're in prayer and because they're responding to the Holy Spirit, exactly what we're going to talk about is exactly what we sing about. It's almost like there's a God or something, you know? <laughs> Maybe there's something to this whole thing that we're preaching. Um, but man, what a powerful time of worship and such a perfect lead-in to what we're talking about this morning. We're going to be in John chapter 13. At the end of John chapter 13, we're going to start reading in verse 31. So over the last couple weeks leading up to Easter, we have been examining the story of the Last Supper. Jesus' last meal with his disciples. We started off with Jesus washing his disciples' feet. Last week, we talked about Judas and the prediction of betrayal. And Judas making that decision and beginning that act. And today, we're talking about Peter... And when Jesus gives Peter the heads up that Peter's going to deny him. So real, real happy stuff. Um, John chapter 13, verse 31, it says this. When he was gone, Jesus said, now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your presence, for your kindness to us. Thank you for preparing our hearts for this moment. And we ask that your word is what we remember. Your name is the name glorified, and that we leave today in a few minutes knowing you just a little bit better. We love you. Amen. Any of you uh, familiar with the term nose blind? Okay, a couple of us. All right, so nose blind is one of my biggest fears. Um, going nose blind is what happens when you are around a smell, usually a strong smell, usually a bad smell, so long that you don't really notice it anymore. Other people notice it but you don't notice it. Like it could be in the house, it could be in a car, it could be on a person, right? But you've just smelled it so often that you're kind of blind to it. You don't notice it anymore, right? This is one of my biggest fears. I am horrified that my friends, like, if they, if I, they bring a new person over to my house, that they, like, have to text them. They don't tell me, but they just text them, like, just a heads up, there's a smell. Just be prepared. You know, or, like, when they leave my house, that they're like, did you, did you smell that? Like, uh, and we just got a cat, 
which I hoped would never happen. I thought it would never come to this, but now we have a cat, and I'm horrified about it. Um, and it's really, like, it's really hard. My son loves the cat. He absolutely loves the cat, and it's really hard to have absolutely no feelings for something that my son loves so much. <laughs> I feel nothing for this animal. It could be gone when I get home today, and I wouldn't even notice. Um, but now we've got a cat, which means we have a box of sandy poop in our house. And, like, that just adds to my anxiety that, like, people are leaving our house and they're like, did it smell like a cat to you? And I just don't notice it, right? That's being nose blind. And just for the record, you guys like me enough that you would tell me, right? Like, promise me that if there was a smell, you would tell me. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. I feel like that's just part of being a good friend. You know, like, if your zipper's down, if you've got a bat in the cave, if there's a smell, you tell them because you love them. Um, but it can happen in other areas of life, too, right? Like, there are things that we don't notice that we do but that all of our friends notice that we do, and they probably like text each other about it when we don't know about it, which is horrifying. Um, and a lot of times, I think these are things that like we think we used to do, but we don't do anymore. So you know, you make the joke. It's like, oh yeah, you remember when I used to do that? And all your friends are like, ah, oh, you were joking. You weren't joking. Like for me, I've had this experience a few times in the past where I say something along the lines of, man, I really used to talk a lot. I used to talk way too much, and then my friends paused for just a second too long. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I thought I used to talk too much, but you think I still talk too much. That changes everything. Right? That should give us a little bit of empathy for Peter in this story. All right? Peter, Peter is just on par for himself right now. Peter seems to be, if you read the rest of the Gospels, Peter seems to be the kind of guy who just does not read the room very well. He's the kind of guy who opens his mouth and just inserts his foot. Jesus is in this like last moment with his disciples. He's sharing his love and his kindness. He's saying, listen, love is what defines you. I'm going away, but I'm preparing a place for you. Jesus is preparing his disciples for this traumatic experience that they're about to go through with his death and resurrection but he's comforting them through this. And Peter just like doesn't read the room. He's like, I'd die for you, Jesus. I'll do anything for you. And Jesus is like, bro, read the room. Calm down. Like, this, is, this is par for the course for Peter. So Jesus responds with, Peter, actually, you think you would die for me, but you're not going to last the night. Now, we need to pause for a second here. This is very important. This is, this is not part of the thought for the sermon today, but this is really important. The way you imagine Jesus' tone of voice when he talks tells you a lot about what you believe about God's character. I think oftentimes when we hear Jesus in our mind, we hear a little bit of condescension. We hear Jesus saying, really? Really? Will you die for me, Peter? Will you do that? Because you're not going to last tonight. That tells us, maybe even subconsciously, how we imagine God interacts with us. But our perception of God's character has to inform the way we read the words of Jesus, the way we read his voice, because Jesus does not condescend or talk down to his people. Jesus does not condescend or speak down to or put in their place those who he loves. When we read this story, we have to read it through the lens of the character of Jesus. Jesus isn't just rebuking Peter. Jesus is preparing Peter. Jesus might actually be relieving Peter. Hey, I don't want this to be a shock to you when this comes later. We should imagine Jesus not saying, Peter, come on. You're not even going to last through the night. We should imagine Jesus saying, Peter, truly I tell you, 
you're, you're, you will deny me, and it's okay. The way we imagine Jesus' tone of voice tells us a lot about the way we understand God's character. Can you imagine what it would be like to be Peter in this moment? A Peter has struggled with courage and with just saying the wrong thing throughout his life. We've got this story, you might be familiar with it, where Jesus is walking on water. Peter sees him from the boat, and Peter's like, if it's you, call me out, I'll walk on the water. And Peter, in this huge moment of faith and courage, steps out on the water, and then he bites off more than he can chew. He doesn't, doesn't really think it through, and he's on the water, and then he notices the storm and starts sinking. He is proven not nearly as brave as he thinks he is. We've got other stories where Peter just, he's trying his best to say the right thing and do the right thing thing and make his mark in the disciples, but every time he just reads the room wrong. He just doesn't evaluate his own skills or his own courage accurately. So in this moment, he is declaring his undying devotion to Jesus. He's saying, Jesus, you're everything to me. I would follow you to the death. And then Jesus gently, kindly responds with, actually, Peter, you wouldn't. Can you imagine that feeling that, man, I thought I was beyond this. I thought, I thought I was brave this time. I thought I had worked through my courage. But I, I thought I had it right. I thought finally I had earned my place at the table with the disciples. But here I am again struggling with this same thing. I thought I was beyond this. Have you ever felt like that before? I mean, you're human, so you probably have. You find yourself in that place in life where, man, there's that struggle, that unhealthy pattern, that behavior, that sin, whatever it is, that thing that you thought, man, finally, finally, I've beat down this struggle. Finally, I have overcome it. Finally, I'm becoming the person I was created to be, and then just in a moment, you went six months where you did not have to clear your browser history, and all of a sudden, six months go by, and you're stressed, and you're anxious, and it's like it's all gone. All of that progress is gone in an evening. You went a year where you've been like speaking kindly to your kids and to your spouse, and your anger hasn't gotten control of you, but, but work was just too stressful, and life was just too stressful, and all of a sudden, you lost and it feels like I thought I was beyond this. I thought I wasn't this person anymore. But here I am again. Have you ever felt like that? That feeling, <laughs> that feeling is exacerbated by a, really a trope or a mantra that we have in our culture. Because you need to understand something. And I say this because I love you. Right now, this sermon kind of feels like a bummer. I promise this isn't a bummer of a sermon. I promise this isn't a downer. Where we're going today is exciting, and it's uplifting, and it's encouraging. We've just got to get through the bummer to get there, all right? So we're, we're going somewhere with this. But I'm telling you this because I love you. We all experience this. And if you haven't experienced it yet, you're probably going to experience it sometime. And if you've experienced it before, you're probably going to experience it again. And it's exacerbated by this mantra we have in our culture that we see everywhere. It's on your social media. It's on sermons you listen to on the internet. It's, it's like on the wall of the gym that you go to. It's everywhere. And it's this. It's believe in yourself. If you just believe in yourself, 
then if you just believe in yourself, then you can accomplish whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. If you just believe in yourself, no one else is going to believe in you, so you've got to believe in yourself. Believe in yourself enough, and your dreams will come true. Believe in yourself enough, and you can become the person you were always wanting to be. If you believe in yourself, then it'll make it work. It's really devastating when you spend a lot of time believing in yourself, and yourself lets you down. Now, there are two ways that this idea gets perpetuated, and we might not notice that it's the same idea if we're not looking closely. One of them goes like this. You're beautiful. You're perfect. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong. You need to see it. If you, just, if you just see how perfect and beautiful and wonderful you are, and if you can just shift your mind to think positively about things and to see who you really are and to imagine who you really are, then you can become the person that you see yourself as. You can create, if you, if you create this positive, listen, you're, you have to believe in yourself. No one's going to, so see yourself for who you really are. And if you do that, if you can adjust your mental landscape to all of the positive and affirming things, then you will become the person that you're thinking of. If you believe in yourself, if you believe these things about yourself, then you can become who you want to be. Or sometimes it's manifested like this. Work harder. Stay on the grind. Listen, if you're not up at 5 a.m., someone else is, and they're going to accomplish your dream for you. They're going to get it and you're not. There's someone who wants it worse than you. So if you don't work harder than they are, if you don't work harder than they do, you're not going to get the dream. They're going to get it for you. No one is going to do you any favors. No one's going to believe in you. So you believe in yourself and you prove them wrong. You do it. Work. Work harder. What's dangerous is that both of these have a little bit of truth in them. Because the most dangerous lies have a little bit of truth because here's the truth you are beautiful you are you were made in the image of God God created you to reflect his goodness and his beauty and and this is cliche and it's cheesy but it's true you are worth dying for to Jesus you, you are beautiful but we are also all broken and trying to, trying to imagine ourselves as perfect, trying to imagine ourselves as something that we can't be, only sets ourselves up for continual disappointment. The path of perfection is continually disappointing because perfection is not attainable. So the more we, pers the, the more we chase it, the more disappointed we get. And Proverbs, in fact, the whole Bible is full of admonitions for work. The Bible talks a lot about being lazy, about working hard, because work is good. Listen, it is, it is good for you to do things that bring about the goodness of God in the world. You were created in his image to multiply his goodness. We've talked about this before. Our lives are gardens. We plant God's goodness with the work that we do. But we work because of the value God has for us, not to earn something from God. We work because God affirms us, not to gain God's affirmation. We don't work to prove that we are lovable. We work because God has created space for us to do good things in the world. And we, don't, we are not slaves to the work we work because the work is good in other words it doesn't matter if you're not getting up at 5 a.m and someone wants it worse than you <laughs> because you don't have to believe in yourself 
what I've got to tell you this morning, friends, is you can't believe in yourself. At least not only in yourself. Once again, I know that sounds like a bummer. But we need to hear the gentleness and mercy of Jesus saying, you don't have to. You don't have to only believe in yourself. See, this is what Peter's doing. Peter is again, he does this over and over again throughout his life. He's, he's trying his best to prove that he deserves to sit at the table. He's saying, I did it, Jesus. This time I've got it figured out. This time I'm really committed. This time I'm not going to fall in the water. This time I've got enough courage and faith. He's trying to earn his place at the table. And Jesus is reminding him, you're already at the table with me. You're already invited here. You don't have to earn it. You're trying to earn something, trying to prove something that's already been given to you. You're already welcome at the table of Jesus. You know, there's a, uh, a really, really, like, not funny joke that one of my theology professors told me in seminary. Um, when we look at the Bible, something you should know is that the words of Scripture are inspired. They are from the Lord. The verses and chapters we put in there to make this thing easier for us to, to follow to reference. So the chapters and verses are not, are not inspired, the words are, and there's this joke that it, you won't find funny, I didn't really find it funny, at least back then, but it's the guy, Stephanus, who put the verses into the Bible. The joke is that when he put the verses in the Bible, he was riding a horse, and every once in a while, the horse would step in a hole, so he would put the verse in the wrong place, and he was just like, ah, we'll just leave it. So, so there are times when the, like, when the verse breakdowns and the chapter breakdowns just don't really make any sense. And this is one of those times. Jesus is talking to Peter. He's talking to his disciples. And if, if your Bible has red letters, then you will notice that chapter 13 ends with red letters and chapter 14 begins with red letters. In other words, Jesus is continuing talking after this. Jesus doesn't stop with, Peter, you'll deny me. He keeps going in the same thought. So we're going to keep reading. Chapter, John chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 1. Listen to this. We're going to back up for a second and read the end of chapter 13 again. It says, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Do not let your hearts be troubled. One more time. You will deny me. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You're not going to last the night, Peter. Don't let it upset you. You're not going, you, you can't believe in yourself, Peter. But don't worry. You don't have to. We're going to keep reading. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to the place to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where, we, where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way. Friends, you don't have to believe in yourself. You can believe in Jesus. Jesus is the way. You know, listen, the weight of the world, the weight of becoming who you were created to be, the weight of overcoming your struggles does not rest on your shoulders alone. You can believe in Jesus. Jesus is the path to transformation. 
Listen, I'm not telling you that we just become comfortable with sin. I'm not telling you that, you that you live enslaved to your anger forever. I'm not telling you that we just believe in Jesus and never experience transformation. What I'm telling you is that even if you can change your habits, you can't change your heart on your own. Jesus can transform your heart, though. Jesus can change your heart, and you do not have to earn your place at the table. You come to the table, and he does the transforming. You are already loved. You are already welcome. You are already invited. Peter was already at the table. And Jesus is saying, listen, you're going to mess up. You're going to make mistakes. Believe in me. Believe in me even when you've made mistakes. Even when you react to your kids the way you promised you would never do again. Believe in Jesus because he's the transformer, not you. Listen, the path of believing in self is the path of perfection. And the path of perfection is never attainable. But Jesus invites us to the path of growth. He invites us to the path of, I don't have to be today who I always thought I was going to be. But I can be today more like Jesus than I was yesterday. Because here's what happens when you start believing in Jesus instead of just believing in yourself. Is that in those moments where you say, oh my gosh, I thought I was finally, I thought I was finally over this addiction to pornography. I thought I was finally over gossip. I thought I was finally over this unhealthy pattern of living. When, when we say that, Jesus says, hey, listen, you're right, you did mess up, but do you remember? There's a theologian, Stanley Hauerwas, who confesses this same practice in his life. He says that, that in these moments, we feel like everything fell apart, and we are just the same as we've always been, and we haven't grown at all. But Jesus says, yeah, listen, listen, you messed up. You fell into lust again. But do you remember when you used to do this every day? And do you know that you haven't done it in two months? Do you see the transformation? Do you see the path of growth in your life? Do you see that you can believe in me because you're not who you used to be? Right? When, you, when you get angry at your family, when you overreact, and you say, oh my gosh, I promised I would never do this again. All we see is the mistake, but Jesus says you actually didn't do that again because last time you would have been angry for days, but this time you got yourself under control. Why? Because I've been transforming your heart. Last time you would have yelled, this time you spoke sharply. It's growth. It's transformation. Do you see it? Do you see it? Do you see what happens when you believe in Jesus? Instead of looking at the place that you fell, you start looking at the place that you started and how much transformation has happened since then. You don't have to just believe in yourself. When you believe in yourself and yourself alone, your eyes are on yourself. When your eyes are on Jesus, your eyes are on the path of growth. Now, I hope... I hope that this is encouraging. Because it sounds like a bummer for me to get up here and say, you can't believe in yourself. But what I actually want you to do is start looking at whose image you were created in so that you can know yourself better and be formed in the likeness of who you were created to be so that you can believe in God and believe in Jesus and experience the transformation and become who you were created to be because you are so valuable and you are so loved and you are so significant. You were created in the image of God and God did not create you so that you would perform and accomplish things on your own. Rather, he created you to work with you and partner with you in the transformation of self and world. That's good news. You don't have to believe in yourself, not only yourself. You know, one of the things you hear all the time 
on social media and everywhere is believe in yourself, no one else is going to. But when you believe and trust in Jesus, you don't have to believe in yourself because someone else is going to. Jesus. He believes in you because he's transforming you. You will let yourself down. He never will. I could say this a thousand times in a thousand different ways and we would still need to hear it again and again. We will let ourselves down. He will never. We will let ourselves down, but he won't. He will be there to pick us back up, to comfort us, to say, it's okay. You let yourself down. It wasn't dependent on you. It was dependent on me. Now, I said this a few weeks ago. I I don't like to give a whole lot of application in a sermon. I don't like to say, do these three things based on a sermon, because I believe it's part of the work, it's part of the path of growth for each of us as followers of Jesus to say, here is the truth that's been revealed to me today. What do I do about it? To ask the Holy Spirit to apply it to your hearts. But today, I just want to tell you this. If you're here today, and this is if you're here today and you found yourself in a pattern where you thought, man, I, I thought I was better than this, I thought I was beyond this, but I keep struggling with the same thing, there's one simple application that you can do, and it's called spiritual disciplines. These are the things in life where we make space for the Holy Spirit to form us. Peter sat down at a table literally with Jesus. Spiritual disciplines are the way that we make space in our lives to be with Jesus. Spiritual disciplines are things like prayer, things like reading scripture, things like fasting, things like spending time in silence and solitude. And when I say silence and solitude, I mean no music, no people, no phones, actual silence and actual solitude. Because you get to that place where the only voices you can hear are your own and the Lord's and there's no one else telling you anything that doesn't reflect the kingdom of God because we have so many voices and so much input all the time that's telling us things that are a little like Jesus that have a little bit of truth but don't actually reflect his ways that sometimes we actually have to cut off all the other voices so we can just hear from the Lord. We can just focus on his word. These are the ways that we create space in our life. These are the ways that we pursue the path of growth. By creating space for the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts instead of for our efforts to transform our actions. Dallas Willard spoke about spiritual disciplines. He said, grace is opposed to earning. It's not opposed to effort. Disciplines are the way that we create space in our life to be with Jesus, knowing that we can't earn anything from him. It's already been given. So we open up our hearts for his transformation. We do this because we are loved, because we don't have to believe in ourselves, but we can believe in Jesus. So we create space in our lives for Jesus to do the work of transformation. And I realize this probably feels like the plane is circling the airport right now and is not landing, but that's on purpose because we have to understand this. I can, by effort, break an addiction, but I cannot change an addicted heart. Listen, I, you, could try really, really hard and never take a drink of alcohol again, but you would just replace that addiction with something more socially acceptable like work or like dating or something like that. The Holy Spirit transforms our hearts. The Holy Spirit transforms our hearts. And for as long as all we are depending on is ourself and our effort, then all we are going to get is the same results in a different package dressed differently, 
It's still going to be addiction. It's still going to be unhealth. It's still going to be brokenness. Until we begin to make space in our lives for Jesus to say, you believe in God, believe in me. I am the way. Until we begin to make space in our lives for heart transformation instead of behavior modification. I didn't intend that to rhyme. It just did. Until we begin to make space for Jesus to transform our hearts instead of for us to transform our actions, we will not get the results that we're looking for. But when we open ourselves up for the Holy Spirit to transform us because we believe in Jesus, then we will experience not perfection, but the path of growth and intimacy with Jesus that we're longing for. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that we can believe in you, that we can trust you, that we can depend on you, that we don't have to depend on ourselves. We thank you that you relieve us from the pressure of building lives on our own accomplishments and our own performance. But you invite us to the table first and transform us after. We thank you that we don't have to prove anything to you or earn anything from you. It's already given. And that we can trust you with our transformation. We love you, Jesus. Amen.